Random drawings. Pacers draft position much, much more clear after Monday's random drawings. Pacers get great news for their lotto pick. Pretty crummy news everywhere else. We'll get to it all today. The new odds and what still needs to happen for the Pacers picks to all be settled. Plus, all the awards for the NBA top three final sounds. No Pacers. Interesting. We'll talk about it all today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers. Your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, after a really fun night of NBA basketball, the Nets look really good until they don't. The Kings, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on the Kings. I'm talking about random drawings instead of playoff basketball. Huge news for the Pacers, though. Random drawings on Monday determining who wins the ties in the inverse standings for the draft order. Big deal for the Pacers. Did they win or lose their drawing with the Wizards? Plus three other drawings the Pacers care about. What does it mean for the Pacers draft position? Do they like or not like all the results? Where do their picks sit now? What are their new lottery odds? There's so much to dive into. And of course, you'll know you'll get it here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. In the third segment, I want to talk about the NBA awards finalists a little bit. Pacers not involved at all. And I thought they could be for one award, maybe for another. Um, and I'll do a l- official awards on this show for funsies uh, next week, which should be really fun too. But we start with the random drawings. For those unaware, this is separate from the NBA draft lottery. That's May 16th. That's a little under a month from now. That's determined the official draft order. Who picks one, two, three, and four is drawn from the ping pong ball combinations then. And then everything else is settled in order after that. But what this was is if two teams finish with the same record, there is no standings tiebreaker based on the regular season. Instead, the NBA does a random drawing to determine who gets the higher pick between teams with a tied record. They don't want to incentivize losing to a specific team more so than potentially already is the case is my hunch on why that's the case. But that's what the random drawing does. This is how they determine which team's higher in the pre-lottery standing. So for the Pacers specifically, they had four of these they care about. For this first segment, we'll just focus on the most important one, and that is that the Pacers, who by winning their last game finished 37, excuse me, 35 and 47, finished with the exact same record as the Washington Wizards, who were also 35 and 47. Both of those teams tied for the seventh worst record in the NBA, right? So what the, the league had to figure out is pretend neither of the Wizards or the Pacers move up in the draft lottery. Who picks first? That's what this random drawing decides, among a little bit of other things in the mix for this draft positioning. So the random drawing goes and the Pacers win it. That is hugely, hugely significant for the Pacers for a number of reasons, right? So first of all, uh, perhaps maybe the biggest one is that technically uh, the sixth pick, or excuse me, the seventh pick in a normal year would get 75 ping pong ball combinations in the machine on lottery night. And the eighth pick would get 60. Now, if you have the same record as another team, you split the odds, and there's 135 combinations between those two picks, which is an odd number. Uh, So because of that, the Pacers, by winning this random drawing, get the extra one. So they have 68 of those 1,000 combinations. The Wizards only have 67. So that is one huge thing that comes from this is the Wizards, or excuse me, the Pacers technically get a bump in their lottery odds from this. Two, they're officially seventh in the pre-lottery standings. That is hugely significant. We'll break down all the, the mechanics of what that means for this. And so their floor is better. 
their ceiling is higher and they have slightly better odds of moving up. And in the disaster situation, they don't fall as far. Their range changes significantly. So like I said, 68 combinations out of the 1,001 technically combos for the Pacers to move up. So they have a 6.8% chance of Victor Wembanyama. And in total, uh, about, I can't do math off the top of my head, this is embarrassing, but like a 29.4% chance at moving into the top four uh, on lottery night. The seventh odds did move up last year. Getting ahead of this, if the Wizards do move up, it just happens, guys. Like It just happens. The Pacers got luck, better luck on this day. But that is the Pacers' new odds. But the big thing here is the range the Pacers can fit in. Because before this event, the Pacers, at, in theory, could have fallen as far as 12. Now 12 is impossible. Pacers cannot have the 12th pick with their own pick in the draft. 12 is off the table because of this. Even if the Pacers get jumped by four different teams, which is like barely greater than a 0% chance they'd be 11th in the draft lottery. The other thing this did is if the Pacers lost this random drawing, they could not have picked seventh. That would have been impossible. The Wizards cannot have the seventh pick. They can have one, two, three, four, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. The Pacers can have one, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. So the Pacers can get the seventh pick. And because they're seventh in the order, there's actually kind of a lot of ways. There are six teams ahead of them that have pretty good odds of jumping up that could be the first four teams drawn up in the lottery. There's almost a one in five chance that the Pacers pick post-lottery is set, right? That's hugely significant. It's not just that they can get the seventh pick. It's that there's a decent chance they end up with the seventh pick. And so here's what this really breaks down to for the Pacers. The odds that they can now get the seventh pick by winning this significant random drawing is 19.7%. Had they lost, it's 0% chance of seven, right? So that's about a 20% pick equity bump. There's about a 2.7% higher chance they get the eighth pick now, right? If one team from nine through 14 jumps the Pacers and Wizards, the Pacers would get eight, the Wizards would get nine. And so between that 19.7% chance, that little 2% chance, and that small one ping pong ball odds bump from winning the drawing in the front, it's not quite this, but it's close to a 25% chance of, you know, a top eight pick bump, right? Something in the first eight picks that the Pacers have gotten over the Wizards that they would not have had had they lost this. That's extremely, extremely significant. A one in four higher chance of ending up in the top eight than there was had they lost this. It's not quite one in four, but it's really close. Now, the flip side stuff is also really fascinating, right? The ninth pick for the Pacers now requires two teams to jump them instead of just one, which is exceedingly unlikely. If they were eighth where the Wizards are, 31% chance they end up ninth, right? Uh, basically, a one in three chance they'd be ninth. For the Pacers, that percentage is now 13.8%, super low. That's almost an 18% difference. If you add in the 5% difference between the odds the Pacers end up 10th and the odds the Wizards end up 10th, you get almost another one in four chance better for the Pacers to end up below 10 than they would have had had they lost this drawing. I could ramble on and on about all these really intricate odds and scenarios for the draft. Like I already said, 12 is impossible for the for the Pacers now, and they can get seven, which is huge. But in general, their range is much better. Their odds of being in the top eight, eight is where I kind of cut off a, a tier of the draft. Maybe you have it somewhere else, but either way, that's huge. That is massively significant to have a higher pick, not only for the odds, but for what it could be, for what you could trade it for if you end up 
in a certain spot. You know, it just it's better to have the higher pick. And so for the Pacers who have, you know, their third lottery pick in a row, their second pick inside the top 10 in consecutive years for the first time. I mean, in forever. Last year was all made out to be about the 1980 stuff, too. That's the case again now. But big time for the Pacers to win this. So in the end, uh, that win against the Knicks. So instead of being tied with the Magic, they're tied with the Wizards instead. Probably cost the Pacers about 5%. In uh in top in top four equity, which is significant uh, in a draft like this, the Magic have about three or two percent higher odds at basically every pick. So a uh, little little tough for the Pacers, obviously in that way. But winning this tie hugely significant for them. They can pick seventh now, which wasn't the case before. They have about a one in four percent higher chance of picking inside the top eight, and they have about that same percent chance lower of picking ninth or tenth. They can't pick 12. They can't pick seven. You get the idea. I could ramble on and on about how important this is, but that was the biggest tiebreaker for the Pacers, the one they cared absolutely the most about of the four they cared about on Monday, and they won it. So that's huge. Pacers, first pick in the draft, it's going to be one, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, or 11. But there's three other huge, but less huge, tiebreakers for the Pacers in this draft. What is their first round pick from the Cavs? What will their second round pick be? That's their best second round pick. Will it be Houston's? Will it be Miami's? Where did their other second round pick end up, which is also the Cavs that they got from a different trade. There's still so much that happened on random drawing day for the Pacers. And we will get to it here in the second segment. And spoiler alert, I think a lot of people had some clarity issues. Maybe I explained this poorly about the Rockets pick. But the Pacers can still get that 30-second pick. We'll dive right in. Before we do that, though, I got to talk to you guys about game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful like it was when I would try to get into Purdue basketball games growing up when those teams were really killer in the past. And with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets with the Game Time app. They've got flash deals and last-minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. They have images of seat views and the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and job loss protection. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of that difference so snag the tickets with the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code lockdown nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account Sign up with the code Lockdown NBA for $20 off your first purchase on the Game Time app. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Lockdown Kings, easy choice, Matt George. Lockdown Sacramento Kings breaking down the beam team up 2 0 on the defending champs. Are we seeing the end of a dynasty? Are we seeing the start of a new one? I don't know. I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but I am. I'm. <laughs> I am all in on the Kings right now. Oh, my gosh. They're a blast. And as I see, as I'm talking, Woj reporting that that Sabonis, ex-Pacer, is undergoing x-rays on his ribs. Draymond Green was stomping on him in the middle of the game. It was crazy. Uh, hopefully, he's not hurt too bad. But it's been awesome to see the ex-Pacer doing well uh, in that setting as well. Uh, Pacers-wise, three other tiebreakers broken with significance for the Pacers today. The easiest one to explain is where we'll start. The Cavs and Grizzlies were tied. How does that impact the Pacers? Well, the Pacers actually have both of the Cavs picks in this draft. They have the Cavs first round pick, 
from the Carousel Vert trade two years ago. And they have the Cavs' second round pick. They got it from the Bucks. <laughs> the Bucks got it from the Cavs. So long, I don't know what trade. It would take me forever to go back through that. But the Pacers got it from the Bucks in the Jay Crowder trade, uh, Jordan Wara, George Hill trade this season. Um, so the Pacers have both Cavs picks. The Cavs are tied with the Grizzlies in the standings, uh, meaning that the, the Pacers would like the Cavs to win their tiebreaker over the Grizzlies. The team that wins the tiebreaker gets the better pick in the first round, and the team that loses it gets the better pick in the second round. So obviously the Pacers would prefer the better first-round pick and worse second. That's not what happened. The Grizzlies win that tiebreaker, meaning the Grizzlies get pick 25 and the Pacers get pick 26 from the Cavs. The flip side is true in the second round. The Pacers get pick 55 and the Grizzlies get pick 56. So of the Pacers' five draft picks in this draft, three of them are settled. Boston's at 29. That one had no tiebreaker implications at all. That one was known the second the season ended. Um, Pacers have that one. They have 26 from the Cavs, and they have 55 also from the Cavs. So that one did not go the Pacers' way. That late first is a little worse in value now, I suppose. There's only 58 players drafted this year because there's two forfeited picks, so 55 is the fourth to last pick anyway. Uh, so... Who they, Kevin Pritchard said it already, right? He said they don't want to bring five young guys into this organization next year. There's going to be trades of some kind for the Pacers in the draft. I don't know what they'll be, but having the assets be as strong as possible would have been the Pacers' goal. That's why it's so significant. Goal is the wrong word. They don't have any control over this. Would have been the Pacers' hope, uh, and of course their own pick being at seven is important, but losing this Cavs-Grizzlies tiebreaker hurts. So the Cavs pick is 26 that's locked in. The Pacers' worst pick is going to be 55. That is also locked in. Two other tiebreakers. Can you believe this? That the Pacers cared about. Everyone knew about this one. This one was well publicized. The Rockets and Spurs tiebreaker. Huge, right? They both finished 22 and 60. The Pacers have the Rockets' second rounder, kind of. The Pacers have the Rockets' second rounder only if it is 31 or 32, the top two picks in the second round. The second round has no lottery. It is just the inverse standings in order, right? And the Pistons have the worst records. They'll pick 31. So the Pacers want the Rockets pick to be 32, so they get it. Because if the Rockets' second round pick is 33, it goes to the Boston Celtics. And if it goes to the Celtics, instead of the Rockets' pick, the Pacers get the Miami Heat's pick. And so... Entering this event today, this random drawing, the Rockets and Spurs, both 22 and 60. The Pacers want the Rockets second rounder. And so, as I explained to you, between the Cavs and Grizzlies, the team that gets the better first round pick gets the worse second round pick. So, intuitively, the Pacers would have wanted to see the Spurs win this random drawing. Now, let me stop before I get ahead of myself. This event does matter for the Pacers today, for this, this Rockets pick potentially, but it also doesn't. Right. So the Rockets did win the drawing. The Rockets have a better first round pick potentially than the Spurs. They're second. The Spurs are third. But the order for the draft is not determined until after the lottery is done. So what that means is, yes, as it stands right now, if the lottery is chalk and the top four teams stay the exact order they're in, the Rockets would pick 33rd. That's bad, right? In that way, the Pacers wanted the Spurs to win this. Or something else crazy happens. Four teams that aren't the Rockets and Spurs all win the lottery, and the Rockets pick drops down and the Spurs pick drops down. If that happened, which is super unlikely but possible, the Pacers also would have liked to see the Spurs win this random drawing so that when the lottery was over, the Rockets got the better second round pick. So the Pacers still wanted to see 
The Spurs win their drawing today. They didn't. The Rockets won that drawing. So the Rockets range for the draft is two, three, four, five, six. The Spurs range is three, four, five, six, seven. But the Pacers do not know the fate of that second round pick yet. They will find out on May 16th when the draft lottery happens. Of course, the Pacers' biggest hope that day is that they are the team that will have the chance to pick Victor Wembanyama with the first overall selection. But they will also hope that the Spurs end of the day with a higher first-round pick than the Rockets. It doesn't matter what the order is. If the Spurs are first and the Rockets are fifth, if the Spurs are second and the Rockets are third, if the Spurs are second and the Rockets are fourth, it doesn't matter. If the Spurs are higher than the Rockets after the lottery's done, then the Rockets will get 32 and the Spurs will get 33. And if the Rockets get 32, really it's the Pacers who get 32. So that was a long-winded way of explaining what happened today. The Rockets won the drawing. That's bad for the Pacers because there is still a chance that neither the Rockets or Spurs move up, or there's a chance they both move up. Either that that doesn't really matter based on today. But if neither of them move up or the, the lottery is chalk now, the Pacers would not get pick 32. Right. So that is a bummer for the Pacers, but they don't know this one yet. It's still not settled. So that's two of the Pacers picks not settled. Their own lottery pick won't be known until May 20, was it May 20, May 16th on Lottery Day. And their this second round pick will not be known until it's determined to which pick is higher. The Spurs own first round pick or the Rockets own first round pick. So yes, that was a bummer news today. Pacers still would have liked to see the Spurs win it just so there was a slightly higher chance they'd pick 32, but it's not the end of the world. Both teams still have about a 50-50 chance of being drawn at some point in the lottery process. In fact, it's over a 50-50 chance because they're both in the bottom three. So the question is, if two different teams with over a 50-50 chance don't get drawn, that's just bad luck for the Pacers, they would lose that second, but not lose it. That's the wrong phrasing. If the pick isn't 32, the Pacers get the Miami Heat's second round pick. And the Heat, wouldn't you know it, were also in a tiebreaker that had to be decided on Monday. The Heat were in a tiebreaker with the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Clippers three-team tiebreaker. I kept calling the tiebreaker coin flip. That's just because it's a, a tiebreaker between two teams. is 50-50 odds, which is the same as a coin flip. This one was not a coin flip. It was three teams. Um, so because the Pacers could, in theory, end up with the Heat second-round pick, they wanted the Heat to lose their drawing so that the Heat would have the best possible second round pick just in case. And the Heat won their drawing. So the Heat will have the 18th pick. The Golden State Warriors will have the 19th pick. And the LA Clippers will have the 20th pick, which means the Heat's second round pick is 50, which is, is, is significant for the Pacers because now if they don't get pick 32, they get pick 50, which is an 18-pick drop, about as far as it could possibly be. The Heat had a couple wins late in the season as they were kind of pushing for draft positioning. Like that pick looked like for a second it could be like 45 or 46. Now it's 50, right? It really flew up there. So in short, the random drawings are done. Three of the five Pacers picks are known. They'll have the 26th pick, the 55th pick, and the 29th pick. I don't know why I said them in that random order. 26, 29, 55 are known. The Pacers lottery pick, is unknown. It can either be 1, 2, 3, 4, or 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, or 12. Or that's it, 10 or 11. Whew, I stopped myself. And then they also have a second round pick, their best second round pick, pick slot TBD. It will either be exactly 32 or exactly 50. A lot of information. The big takeaways, though, the Pacers win far and away the most important one of these drawings. Far and away. The only pick in the top 25 that was being drawn was theirs, and it could be in the top seven right? Huge that they won that one. 
and they lost all the rest. So uh, they probably would have taken that trade if you offered it to them. But at the same time, a little more luck would have been nice. Every franchise likes as much luck as possible. There were other tiebreakers, but the Pacers cared about a significant number of these. I wrote about it. If you need to see this written out, because I just said a lot of information in the last 20 minutes, si.com backslash NBA backslash Pacers will have a story right on the heading for you to read about this and see where the Pacers go next. One more thing I want to talk about today, the NBA awards. They announced defensive player of the year yesterday, uh, but they also announced the finalists for every single award. I thought the Pacers had two shots at this and they didn't have anyone in the finals for any awards, which isn't too surprising, but also a little bit. I'll explain in the final segment today before we get to that, though, I got to talk to you guys about prize picks daily fantasy made easy. You've got to try it. It's super simple. Do you think a player is going to score more or less than the projection prize picks give you? For example, Luka Doncic during the regular season, his line was often like 32 and a half points. So you're going to go over or under that. That's it. That's the whole game. Pick two to six players where they score more or less than their prize picks projection. And you can up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus prize picks projections. And they offer those on any sport you watch, including the NBA, but also the NFL, MLB, NHL, and so many more. You can make your entries in 60 seconds or less. It's safe. They have fast withdrawals. It's operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. So download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they will give you $50. Don't forget, though, you got to enter that promo code LOCKEDON and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. PricePix daily fantasy made easy. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen, Locked on 76ers up 2-0. In the East, they're stomping through the nets. That is not a pun I should be making today after events in the NBA, but they are doing exactly that. The poor nets, they played a great first half. They defended well, and they still could barely keep it within 10 in that fourth quarter against the nets on Monday. The Pacers awards finalists have been announced by the NBA. Thank you, NBA, for doing this uh, over the weekend. And I was endlessly curious if the Pacers would have a finalist for two different group categories in particular, uh, and that is Rookie of the Year, obviously, with Benedict Matherin, and Most Improved Player with Tyrese Halliburton. They announced the Coach of the Year finalists. Rick Carlisle not among that group, although I'm much higher on the season he had, apparently, than the fan base is. Uh, Mark, Mike Brown's going to win that. He is among that group with Mark Degnall and Joe Mazzulla. Uh, the sixth man of the, or the clutch player of the year finalists. I thought Joel Embiid would be on there, but no Pacers should be there. Halberton could have been if he played more games here in Fox is going to win that defensive player of the year. Pacers don't even deserve someone close. Uh, sixth man of the year, former Pacer Malcolm Brogdon is there. Matherin was there for a hot second in like November, but he fell out of that mix. And of course, MVP, it's the three guys. Everybody's been talking about forever and ever and ever. But the two awards I thought the Pacers could have a finalist for because they announced the top three, which is based on the results, right? These are going to be the top three finishers. Most improved player. This is the one that I thought the Pacers had the best shot of having a player in the mix for. First of all, the Pacers are a factory for most improved player between Granger and PG and J.O. and Victor, and I'm missing one. They've had a fifth most improved player. Um, Jalen Rose, they've had five more than any other team. I thought, I didn't think Tyrese Halliburton was going to win this award. Right, Lowry Markin, and I think, took the jump in a way that 
you know, he, his role changed and he took it headstrong, whereas Halliburton's role didn't change. It just became bigger. Uh, and so I, I thought Larry Markinen's a shoe in to win this. He is a finalist here. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander had a similar thing to Halliburton where his role just became way bigger, but he was also, you know, one of the best five, six players in the NBA this year. Him being a finalist makes sense. And the third finalist for most improved player is Jalen Brunson, who I kind of think has the same story as Halliburton this year. Where the, this was Jalen Brunson's role. Oh, he changed a little more to on ball this year with the Knicks, and he's just doing it a lot more. You could argue, I guess, that he changed roles because he was playing alongside Luka, and he's been really good for the Knicks this year. I don't want to deny at all that Jalen Brunson hasn't gotten better or looked better or anything like that, but I thought Halliburton might have a shot at this one, and especially when you kind of contextualize the other players in this list. Larry Markinen, new team, new situation, first-time All-Star. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, ascending team, new situation, first-time All-Star. Tyrese Halliburton, new team, sort of. He played for the Pacers last year for a little bit, but newer team, new situation, first-time All-Star. Brunson, new team, but not the All-Star part. I don't know. I thought Halliburton had a shot at top three here. He grew in every single way. He's clearly way better. He's he's an all-NBA-level talent. He won't make the team. He didn't play enough, but... Um, he didn't play enough, I mean, as like an anecdote, not the rule. That doesn't start till next year. Uh, but either way, I thought he was going to be in the top three. I thought he was going to be third behind those first two names. His points per game went up by five and a half. His assists per game went up by 2.2 from last year. His role's way bigger and his efficiency hasn't dipped at all. He's just way better. And so I thought Tyrese Halberton was going to be a most improved player finalist. He isn't. And this is not meant at all to say, Jalen Brunson, this is wrong. This is outrage. I don't think so at all. Jalen Brunson's been great. He's improved. His role's way harder. He's leading the Knicks. And hey, the Knicks are in the playoffs. And maybe that's the differentiator is that the Thunder made the second round of the play-in. We're almost in the playoffs. The Jazz were close for a long time. The Knicks are in it and doing well. Winning might have mattered here. But I thought Halliburton had a shot at this uh, in a way that I'm surprised he didn't. I bet he finishes top five when results come out, which I believe is this week. It might be um, slightly off in the future. They did announce, uh, okay, it's not this week. It's one of the rare ones that isn't this week. They did announce Defensive Player of the Year on Monday. Tuesday's Clutch Player of the Year, De'Aaron Fox, who had a clutch night for the Kings tonight, is going to win that. Coach of the Year, I mean, obviously, Mike Brown on Wednesday and Sixth Man Thursday. That one's up in the air, but I guess it's going to be quickly. We'll see. The other award... I thought the Pacers could have a finalist for, although I'm not surprised that they don't. I was kind of surprised Tyrese Halliburton was not in the top three. Like I was almost expecting that, which maybe is my own fault. Rookie of the year. Some people thought Matherin would be a finalist in the top three here. I did not think that. I think it was pretty clear who the top three rookies are specifically this past season. Matherin was the best rookie till the end of November, Thanksgiving time. Bankero passed him soon after, but Jalen Williams did the slow thing where early in the season he wasn't playing much. And then by Christmas, it was clear he was good. And by January 15th, it was like, oh, this guy's awesome. And by the all-star break, it's like, oh, this guy's one of the best rookies in the class. And by the end of the season, people were like, hey, maybe he should be rookie of the year. Right. He had a great year and got better all the time. He had a better season than Matherin. And then Walker Kessler, man, he had a weird year. Where he wasn't playing much. And then he was playing a lot. And then they were expanding his game. And it turns out. He might be just as good as Gobert defensively right this second. Uh, he was awesome for the Jazz for the last three months of the season, I would say, when he started starting and they expanded his game. And he was the third rookie on there. Those are the three rookies who are finalists for rookie of the year. I thought that was clear that it was going to be those three guys. But Matherin had a shot, one, because he was good. Right, He finished second in scoring amongst rookies. His role was hard. It's not like they 
call a lot of plays in general, but you know, he did create a lot of his own shots. He was top 11 in both rebounding and assists per game. His efficiency is decent for a rookie. His defense is decent for a rookie. Like all this, I Matherin is going to me. Matherin was the fourth best rookie this year, right? The, the all NBA rookie teams are going to have the three finals for rookie of the year. And then Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey and Matherin, are in competition for the last two spots in that first team. I think Matherin was the fourth best rookie. You could argue with some stuff with Murray's shooting and the fact that the Kings are awesome. And Ivy was really good from, from New Year's till about early March. But I think Matherin was the fourth best rookie this year. His scoring's at another level. The way he can get to the line is unmatched in this class, although Bankero's pretty close. Um, but either way, I did not think he'd be top three. Some were. Um, he did not land on this list. We'll see where he ends up in the rookie of the year rankings and the all NBA rookie team rankings. What Matherin has going for him is something that Duarte had going for him last year. Uh, and that is uh, first impression syndrome here. If you are really good at the start of the season, that impression lasts a long time for some people who can't tune into all the games. And it's like something new or something that's talked about often. And Matherin won rookie of the month in the East for November, November and October and was really great. And he was still good. He was nominated for rookie of the month every month this season. Right? He did really well all season, but he was particularly good at the start. He's like a 20 points per game scorer for 20 games or something. You know, that impression sticks in a lot of people's head. Like I always talk about it. Duarte had this last year. He was great at the start of the season. He was the last guy on the second team all rookie. I always talk about it in the opposite setting where Jeff Teague, when he got traded to the Pacers, was pretty t crummy by his standards for the first like 10 games, 15 games of that season. And so a lot of the, the perception of him that year was like, oh, he's not having the best year, not fitting very well. And Jeff Teague was really good <laughs> for the last like 40, 45 games of that season. But because he started so poorly, it took forever for that kind of him to get over that hurdle. Right. I think the opposite can be true as well. And Matherin started well, and Ivy did not at all. And Murray started slower, mostly because his role is way different, and he's on a, a team that doesn't require him to do as much. So I think Matherin's going to make first-team all-rookie. I don't think he deserved to be in the top three for rookie of the year, but I get why other people do. He did have a difficult role all season. If it was up to me, and I was a voter, most improved winner uh, would be Larry Markkinen with Shea second, Halliburton third. And my rookie of the year ballot, oof, apparently – I'd be clowned off NBA Twitter because Andy Larson got clowned off NBA Twitter for this. I would have voted for Walker Kessler first. I would have done it. Man, his defensive impact is crazy. Bancaro second, J-Dub third for me, although J-Dub is awesome too. Um, we'll see where this all shakes out. I want to do a show about not only NBA awards that I would have voted for with a guest, of course, and some of the awards ought to be announced by then by the NBA, but also the Pacers player who deserved all these awards. A lot of them are obvious, some of them lesser. So we'll cover this all as it comes for the Pacers tomorrow. Rat Bauer is going to join now that the Pacers picks are better known. It's time to preview the Pacers offseason, the draft, the free agency stuff, what trades could be made, and of course, the crazy numbers game. They only have a few free agents, and they have a ton of draft picks and cap space. We'll get to it all tomorrow. And then some fun, fun stuff I don't want to spoil coming Thursday and Friday. You won't want to miss it. If you're an everydayer, you're going to love this week here at the Locked On Pacers podcast. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Hope you enjoyed today and yesterday's and all these shows. Back tomorrow. Till then, everybody, have a great day.